Hello again. I'm Karina Givargazov, the founder of Mission Magazine, the first fashion philanthropic media brand. I'm sorry if we have regular guests who hear this every time, but that's to our new listeners who don't know what Mission is, don't know who I am. Welcome to our podcast called My Mission Is. I normally do these with Charlene Spiteri, the singer-songwriter of the UK band Texas. But right now she's just finishing the touches to a new album. So that's something optimistic to look forward to because I've heard a little bit of it, um, some of the tracks, and it's really, really good. So good luck, Charlene, but please hurry up. I miss you. I speak to the co-founder of Maison de Mode for this podcast, Hassan Pierre. He founded the business back in 2012 with his partner, Amanda Hurst. It's a very consciously curated, ethical, sustainable platform of luxury items from clothing to art to homewares. It's really, really cool. He talks to me about how the company has had to pivot during this pandemic and what customers were gravitating towards to buy in lockdown. And it's actually not what you think. I was quite surprised. So have a listen to this conversation, please. I'd love you to. And thank you for always tuning in. Be well and keep safe. All the best. Bye-bye. Thank you so much for agreeing to do this podcast. It's been a, quite a while since you and I have connected and I have a lovely, lovely, I'm, just, I'm actually grinning here because I've got a lovely memory of when I last saw you, which I think was scoffing pizza in Francisco Costa's kitchen. I think it was. It actually was. Yes, which uh, was the launch of our second issue, um, which is crazy, crazy to think that that was so long ago. A lot's happened and you guys have just been going from strength to strength to strength, which is remarkable. And I just want to say to our listeners that Hassan is the co-founder of Maison de Mode. And we do an intro beforehand, Hassan, anyway, of what the company is and everything. And I think it'd just be lovely, though, to hear initially to our audience who are new to your company and, and introducing you for the first time, how you initially got started. How did you come up with the idea to do something such as Maison de Mode? And, and did you know Amanda beforehand, how you guys got together? Yeah, so um, I began my career in fashion as a designer. Um, this is back in 2009 when I launched my first collection, which was called The Way It Should Be which was a semi-couture collection that focused on upcycling vintage couture fabrics. And my second season, I actually met Amanda as she was just writing about sustainable fashion for Marie Claire as a contributing editor there. So we met during a showroom appointment and we instantly connected. She was just writing about sustainable fashion brands. And of course, I was one of the up and coming sustainable designers at that time, which were there, there were only, you know, a handful of us. Yes. Um, and we both connected shortly after, you know, that initial meeting and, and, and the beautiful piece she did for me and Marie Claire about this concept. And, and really the initial concept of Maison de Mode was, it was about finding a space where a retail space that would house, you know, these sustainable fashion brands in order to move the whole concept forward. And so we, we launched Maison de Mode as a traveling pop-up concept. And that's really where the whole idea was born from. We, we did a first shop in our Basel, Miami, um, and it turned out to be quite successful. And so we did a second and a third and, and a fourth and uh, up until we decided to move into the online space. That's amazing. You guys were, I mean, 
when you think about now, I mean, when did you launch? Was that 2015? Yeah, 2015 is when we launched the online space. We had started the pop-ups in late 2012, so it was about two and a half years, three years of doing these these pop-ups, and, and, and then we moved into introducing the, the online marketplace. And when you think now, where we are now, where sustainability finally is getting notice and attention, and you guys were doing this in 2012, you had that vision it's it must be nice it must be rewarding to see now that finally the world is waking up and paying attention to sustainability and having ethical brands um, giving them a platform and a voice it is it, it, it is super interesting and um, amanda and i's career i guess in sustainable fashion is about 10 years now deep um you know from when she was solely focused on from an editorial perspective brands that course we're sustainable and myself from a design point of view and and it is quite exciting to see um along with some of the you know the pioneers um, who were you know with us back 10 years ago to really see where the industry as a whole have come but also from a consumer perspective um how that demand and that drive has really grown um and it is really exciting yes yes do you do you, did you find that at the time, it was a struggle to find enough brands to kind of do the pop-ups with that within, because your Maison de Mo, it's it's very well curated, the site and and the edits of what you pick and what you showcase to your audience. It's, it's super chic. And, and I just think it's really, I remember when I came across sustainable brands many years ago, I, I didn't find them that, I, I found them quite difficult to, to get excited about, let's say, but when you look at your site of what you pick and curate, the, the taste level is really there. It's really cool what you guys curate. Do you, do you find that that's been tough over the years just to have enough brands to, to kind of fit within your aesthetic and your vision? Definitely. At the beginning, I mean, there were only eight brands that we housed in our first pop-up, one of them being my collection. So um, now we're somewhere around 60 brands, but we really keep it there, but we could scale up to probably about 100 brands that are all um, meeting these different touch points. So it was difficult at the beginning, more so in the sense that there wasn't so many options, and that's because the conversation around sustainable fashion at that early stage was heavily focused on um, the material. So organic cotton or organic linen was really what people described as sustainable fashion. And until that conversation, you know, years, a few years later started to evolve into who makes your clothes and what is the waste behind it and the energy and, and, and the conversation around what sustainability meant broadened did you start to see more designers incorporate these different touch points into their collections? But again, we first and foremost are a luxury retailer. So that's why we really focus on the product and the curation um, and really focus on making that special because we need people to want to buy and dream and love the, the pieces they're getting. How, how do you, I think with, you know, with COVID, obviously this awful pandemic this year, has that made you pivot to how you do your selections obviously I, I'm, travel is limited to what you can go around and, and source um, how have you managed to kind of work within that boundaries those confinements well we've actually always been quite good at remote working 
Um, most of our brands are quite small and we are a global retailer. So we work with brands all around the world. And some of those brands don't have the ability pre-COVID to visit traditional fashion markets, New York, Paris, Milan. So we've always worked on video conferences and phone calls and emails. And so it hasn't really truly been a struggle for us to sort of adapt to this new world. But uh, it is quite interesting now to see everybody else, you know, sort of shift and pivot their business structure to, you know, to kind of what we've been doing. And um, we'll see, I think the physical is obviously important. And We'll get back to that, especially in fashion, because we need to feel the materials and the quality. Yes. But there are still ways around it. We have brands, you know, shipping us samples and we review them and, you know, send them back. So as long as you're flexible, I think um, you can really manage. You're kind of, again, ahead of, ahead of everything by doing everything remotely and by video. And but I think some people possibly have struggled this year with with doing that way of working. But I guess if you're hosting, you are a global brand, that was... Probably the obvious solution was to do everything through the internet video conferencing with, with designers. And um, how do you how do you go about? Do you get like inundated with new designers wanting to be on Maison de Mode, and and you have to kind of carefully vet who you allow to have on your platform? Yes, we do. And and Amanda's our you know my co-founder, and she's also our chief brand officer. Um, and this is really her strong suit. Um, I give her all the credit here in terms of. Um, the aesthetic and the brands and the products that we're, we're putting online. At the beginning, it was very much us reaching out to brands that we would see and, you know, read about and hear. And, you know, Instagram also became a tool of exploration as well. And that was quite helpful. But we've now come to a place in our business where we're quite well known. So, um, and, and emerging designers have seen other emerging designers start off on our platform and then move on to the Net-A-Porter's and the Mode Operandi's and the Matches and the Neiman. So um, for us, it's also exciting, you know, to have a to have an emerging retail platform where these designers can then grow to other um, other luxury platforms. So I think emerging designers now see us as um, a great starting point and a great hub, and especially if they are focused on sustainability. Um, as a core, um, also just a great place to educate the, the general consumer about what their business practices are. Yes, no, complete. It. I think that's. We were talking to. Um, I was talking to um, someone yesterday about all of this and sustainability, and a lot of it comes down to education and understanding the choices that you have and the choices that you can make to be more sustainable. And it's great that you, you're offering that to new designers as well, emerging designers, that you're kind of a launch pad to bring them to market, which must be really nice to see designers grow and flourish under Maison de Mode. Yeah, at the beginning, we didn't know if it was kind of threatening, you know, to see them leave and maybe go to Bloomingdale's mm. or, or go to Saks. Um, but then we realized it was actually an advantage to us. And then also we realized that you know, at the end of the day, we really want all of these brands to flourish and we'd rather have consumers buy sustainable products than a product that's not. So if that means, you know, having our brands grow and live on other retail platforms, then so be it. Um, as long as it's for the greater good of the whole process, I guess. Right. 
Yes, well, that's that's a really great outlook to have, and I think it's it's the right approach to have, isn't it? If we're going to make a change, it has to be everybody kind of being accepting and, and making that difference. And I, I was reading up recently that, and I'd love you to explain this to our listeners, that the next steps for Maison de Mode, you've got mode communications, and you were talking to a B2B and a B2C business model. Can you explain what that means, like those abbreviations and how how those two would merge together? Um, yeah, so we look at Maison de Mode as a, as a whole, as a platform business. So we have our very forward-facing marketplace, which is our beautiful curated retail platform. Um, which focuses, as I mentioned, on emerging design talent, all with a sustainable footprint. And then we launched Mode Communications about a year and a half ago. It really was a consulting and communication service because we really saw that there was a demand for larger companies, whether that be media companies, tech companies, larger fashion brands, um, who were looking to enter the conversation of sustainability specifically through the lens of fashion. So we we noticed that they were also looking at Amanda, myself, Carmen, and Maison du Mode as experts in this conversation and this field. And from there, we decided to launch this second part of our business, which would serve as a B2B um, component um, to our overall company. Um, and it would really focus on, again, bringing the avenues of sustainability together through fashion, technology, culture and lifestyle. And again, that could be from implementing sustainable practices or design techniques or energy efficiency techniques into the retail space, creating CSR strategies, or very simply communicating about products, CSR strategies, or companies that are um, entering this realm of fashion in a sustainable way. Yes. And just for anyone who's listened, CSR is, uh, was it corporate social responsibility? Correct. Which is something I learned that expression of, of a few years ago and trying to understand. And it's and I think it's something a lot of brands, I think, tag on to. And, and it's it's nice to see that they're actually kind of trying to do more in that space now. Because um, I think, you know, when you see what's happening in the environment and landfills and everything, it's it's we need your company, you know, the brands that you're supporting more than ever now to be educated about all of this. Hassan, I think is so important. Um to understand kind of what goes who makes your garment and you know what what better choices you can make um, to have long-standing garments and you know and try and not go the fast fashion route and and um, that's and that's also part of the goal is again you know education like you say is so important and part of the reason you know we even launched this b2b component is and we do a ton of events whether that be you know, entertainment-based events during the Golden Globes or the Oscars. And the whole idea is that if we can move the whole conversation and the consumer's perspective towards accepting sustainable fashion, then it will also trickle into the marketplace and feed, you know, consumers' demand to buy products that are sustainable. So at the end of the day, it's, it's in order for us as a marketplace to be successful from a, from a profit perspective, we really need to move the entire mindset and consumers focus towards this conversation around sustainable fashion um, as well yes it's it's getting there i think but it's 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 such a big conversation um and to understand how especially the luxury houses the big the giants how they can make a change i mean i don't even know how it would begin to have you know 
working with say denim and how you can eradicate pollution with this and it's the water that's used and the dyes and everything and it's it's so hard I think if if a brand's very established mm-hmm. um, and in their ways like a, maybe a big um, fast fashion brand to, to change and make that change I think it's the merging designers that are starting out are the ones that are going to be that have that kind of the knowledge early on to be able to move it forward and move the conversation forward and offer to customers alternatives. Um, it's, I'm learning a lot the last couple of weeks when I've been talking to people about sustainability and some things that we're working on. And it's, it's, it's all, all of it's down to education, but also price point, I think, Hassan, you know, it's, it's price point, I think is really, really important when you look at kind of, certain brands in the past that are sustainable and ethical the price points are perhaps too high for the everyday shopper to afford something like that but do you feel that i hope it's come down because now environment and sustainability are more in the forefront of the conversations do you see that there's been a shift in kind of choices and price points um i do and i think that the shift has been less so much in consumers looking for low-ticket items. Um, I think it's more so the consumer starting to understand their impact and how they consume fashion. Um, And I think the price is starting to be less of a factor in that conversation now, whereas people understand that I'd rather purchase this sweater, although it might be at a little higher price point, um, I'll shop less, it's less of an impact, the quality is better, I can use it more. And so I think that's where people are starting to understand. And especially with this whole pandemic and COVID sort of shutting down and self-reflecting on kind of what's important and also understanding how one's actions can affect everybody else. It's accelerated this consumer's movement towards looking at how their purchases and their behaviors um, really affect the world around. And I think so often, you know, from our industry perspective, we always look at the mass brands, the mass retailers, you know, the factories um, as sort of the catalyst and the problem for this movement. But um, it's also the consumer and their responsibility to demand their products from these companies. Um, and that's something I always say. Yeah, no, absolutely. I think it, it it's not just designers and the packaging and the labeling it's it's who's who's making those choices to buy um, and being more conscious of those purchases and I, I i read up that um at the start of the pandemic that you saw business grow by 161 percent yes which is remarkable um, that's, that must have been really strange but great to see as well and i guess because we're all working everyone's working from home so what you're wearing is changing as well you don't have to dress up and go out and you saw that luxury loungewear um, has increased has that affected what you're kind of putting on the platform now is, does has that made you pivot slightly on the choices a hundred percent and again this is where you know amanda is so um savvy and strong in this and, and and as things were shutting down she really sort of looked at the brand matrix and the products that we were thinking to bring on even at that early springtime in the summer um and was really really adamant about us focusing on products that you could use at home and feel comfortable in. So we expanded our home wear collection quite a bit, which was really great. People were at home, spending time at home. So they really wanted to make that a sanctuary and, and enjoy their space. 
And of course, we used to sell a lot of beautiful dresses and shoes and so forth. And we really switched that to more um, cozy cashmere knits and also fine jewelry was really a, a big ticket. Oh, that's sell. interesting. Yeah, yeah, very interesting. Um, I think it be, it's because people um, had to scale back so much in terms of their lifestyle, going out, traveling, and so forth. And I think that fine jewelry allows somebody to still feel that luxury, and it's also something mm-hmm. that has an intrinsic value to it, so it doesn't seem so frivolous in the end. And I think it helps people escape, especially during these tough times. I think that was very insightful of you guys to to kind of realize that so early on that people are going to just want to be in things that are comfortable and soft and it's almost nurturing, isn't it, from just having this panic mode. I know that we were putting the, we were right in the middle of trying to finish the issue and we were all working remotely and I, it was, I found it hard to focus just to feel, you know, be blinkered and just think, let's just get this done. But that was incredible of Amanda to think, well, okay, this is what our customer's going to want to have luxury at home and, and feel that it's okay to wear <laughs> sweatpants, but maybe it's cashmere ones that aren't kind of really true to made on the mode to be at home. That's remarkable. Um, what do you think sustainability means to you, Hassan? Um, to me, and, and this is the way I always define it, uh, sustainability is anything that has a social, environmental, or an economic impact that's greater than the aesthetic value of whatever product we're selling. And that's really how I define it in the simplest sense. That's a great sentence. I might have to nick that from you and just say by that. All I means, think that's, by all means. No, yeah. I think that's fantastic. I also learned something really, uh, um, whilst I was researching, talking to you, I, I discovered something that I think is so exciting. You've partnered with uh, Vote Fashion Our Future 2020 with the lovely Abrima. Yes, we did. She's amazing. She's a powerhouse. She's amazing. I love her. She love really Rosario. is. Um, we've, we've been friends for quite some time now since they first were even thinking to launch the collection. And No way. Wow. The, yeah, we've been professional and personal friends, and um, I love those two so much, and one of our best-selling brands that we sell we're actually going to be honoring them at our 2021 sustainable style awards with our innovator award um, which we're super excited about yeah she's i met her did i have to do i was doing oh cause we did a cause panel discussion in store in february this year which seems like years ago it happened (laughs) and she was on the i was moderating the panel no i wasn't she was moderating the panel (laughs) (laughs) Or was it I? I can't remember. One way around the other. I think she moderated one and I did the other one, something event. And when we spoke on the phone for the first time, it was just like love at first sight, but on the telephone, she just, we clicked straight away. I just think she definitely has that effect. Doesn't she? She's yeah. just incredible. Like, and, and then when I finally met her, we just had a big cuddle because she just has such a wonderful, warm and, and smile. The best smile. Um, yes, exactly. The best smile, the best energy. And that's great when I found out that you guys knew each other and you were doing this Vote Fashion Our Future. Can you, ex- what is that? Can you explain to us what that actually is? Yeah, so to the best of my knowledge, it's really a, a, a combined group of designers, people in the industry who are just galvanizing their, their um, communities to really go out and vote. And also just, you know, always putting a design perspective to it and and really allowing that to be the entree for people to be interested in 
and and then in the end it's really just to really have people get out there vote register to vote and just be proactive and active do you think that's it's really important this year isn't it more than ever to kind of get all I think I think it's always important and uh this year is you know just as important as every other year and so I think that the more people start realizing that whether they interact with politics or not it will have an effect on them um I think the more they'll start to realize that their vote and their voice matters yes who would you say is your your demographic your audience is it kind of a mixed bag or is it a younger generation it's um it's definitely a mixed bag i think at the beginning when we launched we definitely had an older clientele just because of amanda and i's personal relationships and the type of products we were selling and we were very focused on high luxury um and of course the different events and pop-ups we did were always focused in luxury markets uh that's shifted as the years have gone by just because we've introduced uh different price points and new product categories and so forth and also started to tap into that millennial gen z consumer we never really did you know paid uh marketing to acquire new customers uh so that really getting those new customers and and entering that that demographic really was through social media component and and through some and through some natural press component but now we really see that our you know what we call our our previous top top consumer group which was about 40 40 years old plus represents somewhere around 60% um of our of our uh, consumers and and the other 40 are somewhere in the millennial gen z group do you, will, will you ever bring menswear do you think into maison de mode i think menswear will be the last vertical we get into but uh, next steps for us would definitely be children's wear um, oh interesting yeah children's wear um home goods we will continue to expand um and then beauty and wellness is definitely an- yes. another vertical for us actually i wouldn't know of any brands that do sustainable ethical children's wear that's a great idea to bring into um do you shop on your website do you like do you look at things when they can say oh i want that i want that because mm-hmm. it's so oh my gosh you could spend hours shopping and putting things in the well cart. i do you know it's mostly women's wear but some of the home goods tina fred oh, home goods yes does amazing stuff we just launched this amazing company called the skate deck and they work with amazing artists the warhol foundation keith haring um so many great artists and produce these um wall mount skateboards that all go back oh, to charity. Yes, I know those. Yeah, yes, which are pretty amazing. Um and then I do a lot of shopping for all of my girlfriends, my mother, <laughs> my anybody, you know, any woman that's in my life who needs a fantastic gift for whatever reason is definitely getting something off of my platform. Do they expect that like come birthdays and Christmas that they think, "Oh, Oh he's going to get me something from Maison de Mode and they kind of drop subtle hints. Oh the, the, I don't think the hits, hints are so subtle. I just get, <laughs> I I get the links directly. So No way. <laughs> wow. Yeah. Wow, that's that's cheeky. Although I have to say if you were my brother or son or whatever, I'd totally would just be sending you here's my basket login, please just <laughs> fill it up. Fill it up please. You know, I love it. I love the I was looking at the site. I recently and I I saw the Tina Frey stuff which is really really cool and the skate I'm aware of the skateboards I think they're excellent and just 
very different, very different. And I think it's, it's so well curated, your site. It really is. Uh, I'm excited to see more stuff come on that. But it's, I guess, do you ever go online? Like sometimes I get an excited and I start putting things in the basket and then you're at thousands later. It's like, yeah. oh my God, I'm just going to walk away. Um, <laughs> just, just let's just leave this now. I've got work to do. I'm just going to walk away because uh, it's so tempting with Thank this. You. Thank you. And again, I, you know, that's, that's my business partner, Amanda Strong Suit. You know, she really knows what she's doing. Yes. Well, I think you're probably both a very good collaboratives together. We are. And work well we, together. Are. we are. Um, we always say teamwork makes the dream work. And we're, we're yes. really opposite individuals. And I think being opposites allows us to be so balanced, which is why it's been able to work so well. And what's you mentioned the awards coming up in 2021. Can you tell us about these and how? Yeah. Is, is this, have you done these before? Yeah, so this is part of what we call our Campaign Hollywood events that we do, and it's part of our mode communications, again, educating the consumer. And, and the whole concept began with our Sustainable Style Awards um, three years ago, and we wanted to bring a fashion element, of course, to Hollywood during the Oscars. We know there's a big entertainment community that is very well versed in sustainable products and, and just being activists themselves. And uh, we really wanted to merge what that looked like from a red carpet perspective and so forth. And that's when we developed these awards. And the awards themselves, we present two awards. One is our Sustainable Style Award, which typically goes to um, an individual who has championed sustainable fashion, whether that be on the red carpet or through their philanthropic work or other initiatives. Um, and our second award is our Innovator Award, which goes to a creative director in fashion for uh, sustainable business practices and um, really being mindful about all of their production and design techniques and so forth. Uh, we've, last year or earlier this year, we honored Amber Valletta with our Sustainable Style Award um, and Margarita Massoni with our Innovator Award for Emma Sony. Um, in the past, we've honored Jane Goodall, Caroline Chopard, Susie Amos Cameron, and it's just a very elegant, beautiful, um, intimate evening the night before the Oscars that takes place. And then prior to that, we do a beautiful luncheon with Vogue during the Golden Globes. This is our campaign Hollywood Amazing. kickoff. And at that luncheon, we announce who our Sustainable Style Award winner is, and we do a luncheon and a panel. Um, as well for a very select group of guests um, and yeah we're looking forward to, luckily this year we were able to manage both events pre-COVID yes. and we're hopefully looking to brighter days ahead and and being optimistic that we'll be able to celebrate next year. I think probably I hope so too Touchwood and I think that will be probably such a joyous occasion because it might be the first time everybody's got together and been out mm -hmm. in uh, kind of a, an event that you can dress up and look like and then really shine and, and have some pampering for the day and that's because it sounds like a lot of work to, <laughs> to put together to curate I wouldn't even know where to start with something like that especially with so many kind of probably a-listers and big names to all yeah. get in the room together is I would imagine it's quite challenging it takes about a, it takes about a year of planning we've already started planning about two months ago and uh uh, because, again, sustainability, we don't just do events to do events. So 
um, sustainability is at the forefront in all the decision making we do at the event. So we offset the entire carbon emissions from the event in partnership with EcoAct. We work with Tesla to provide electric car transportation. We work with Impossible Foods, who creates a plant-based vegan dinner. Magnum Ice Cream does these amazing vegan Magnum Ice Cream. And we do all off-grid solar-powered lighting and sound. All the florals wow. become repurposed and, and composted after the event. So it really is the most luxury event that you can create. Again, we have all these amazing A-listers from technology, philanthropy, entertainment, um, sport. You know, it's very it's 50 people. But then after the event, it, there's really no waste. And then, again, we offset all the carbon emissions from that as well. So we can all feel good about ourselves. Wow. That's that's very thorough. And I <laughs> guess you have to be, don't you? you have, I didn't even think of that component. But you have to be. If you're going to say you're an environmental sustainable brand, you can't, I guess, be sitting there with wastefulness around you. And, and that's, oh, my God, no wonder it takes a year to put together. <laughs> <laughs> That sounds like a lot of work, Hassan, but yeah. I think uh, uh, it's probably... It's worth it, and it works absolutely. every year, and it's a really fun night, and we really enjoy it. And, and like you said, it's a great moment for everybody to be in the room together, and especially during the week of the Oscars when, you know, the entertainment mm -hmm. nights are so intense. This is just... A, it ends up being a great night of just friends and like-minded people, and everybody ends up kicking their shoes off and relaxing and staying yes. a little bit too long. But uh, it's all yes. Good. <laughs> well I, I i wish you all the best and i hope to god you get to do it in february i can't i, I hope we get back to some kind of normality soon Likewise. in a safe way and it's it's done slowly and safely for now but i want to say thank you Hassan. it's been so great talking to you you put a grin on my face oh. like a bremer does thank you so much karina i really appreciate it and it's always such a pleasure speaking with you you too and give my best to amanda i will Thank you, Hassan. All the best. Take care. Bye now. Bye-bye. Thank you for tuning in to My Mission Is. Our next guest is someone we have worked with for a while now on the digital issue of Mission Magazine. And as we are still in Hispanic Heritage Month, it was right to do her podcast now. It is only when I did a deep dive of her work and achievements for the podcast that I realised what an amazing woman she is and how much she's done. Um, it actually put me to shame. Our next guest is Rosario B. Casas from Colombia. She's not just an award-winning woman in tech, she's also a serial entrepreneur and she's obsessed with finding more women and Hispanics using technology to solve key global challenges. That is just the tip of the iceberg, Rosario. You can hear the whole list of what she has done and is doing and yet to do on our next podcast. Thank you for listening. Take care and be well.